And as it reminds us, the challenge that we have of one another, we began this series last week, challenging us to look like the church in Acts chapter 2. And we saw how they worshiped together, how they worked together, how they made a difference in their community and their world. In the New Testament, it shares over 60 times the phrase, one another. And over the next few weeks, as we continue in this series, we're going to look at some of the things that we're to do for one another. As we represent Jesus Christ, how do we demonstrate that to the world? This morning, the challenge to love one another. Now, there's different ways that people identify themselves as Christians. Maybe they wear some jewelry, maybe something like a cross to, to demonstrate that they're a follower of Christ or a tattoo or, or other things, a pin that, that reminds others that, that they're a God follower. Or maybe a bumper sticker on their car. We've seen that. And so, uh, by the way, this is, if you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about that, about how the, uh, the God is my co-pilot isn't what we really want us to be known for. If God's your co-pilot, switch seats. He needs to be in charge of it all. But also, the ever-famous one, right, the fish, say that we're a Christ follower. And that began all the way back in the New Testament as they would, they would draw, one would draw the first half of the fish and the other would draw the second half so that they would let each other know that they were Christ followers. In John 13, Jesus is challenging the disciples. He's spending His final Passover. In hours, He was going to be crucified. The next day, He was going to make that march to the cross. And while talking to His disciples, John 13 through 17, He he gave the high priestly prayer as He prayed for them in John 17. He reminded them of who they were in Christ, but He also challenged them of how they could identify with Christ and how the world would know that they were a Christ follower. And we see that in John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. They didn't use bumper stickers. They didn't use pins or crosses that they hung from their neck. Instead, they were to show they were His by the love that they showed. Let's look at John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. It says, So when He had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another." Now this paragraph, beginning in verse 31, begins with Jesus explaining that He would not be with them much longer. He knew that their lives were going to be turned upside down in the next 24 hours. And He wanted to remind them of the benefit of His upcoming death. He had several times said that He was going to die. They didn't quite catch it. But He was reminding them once again 
that God was in control and he was going to be glorified. And we see that in verses 31 through 33, that God was glorified in what Jesus was going to do. He reminded them that everything that would take place was part of God's plan and for God's glory. Both the Father and the Son would be glorified through the cross. While the observing people would think that this is a crushing blow to Jesus and the religious leaders would win the battle, it was actually part of God's plan and it was for God's glory. We see that Christ's death would demonstrate God's power as He was in control of the whole situation and obviously as Jesus would be resurrected three days later. God, or Christ's death demonstrated Christ, God's justice, God's holiness. God is a just God and He's a holy God. He can't stand sin. And so there needed to be some way that this sin would be accounted for through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Christ's death also demonstrated God's faithfulness. He had promised, even beginning back in Genesis chapter 3, that He had a plan, that there would be a way that we could be drawn back to God. God was faithful in His promises and obviously Christ's death demonstrated God's love. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Not only would God be glorified, but we see there that Jesus would be glorified by the Father. While the disciples thought the crucifixion was the end, it was a step to Jesus being glorified and He was their hope of salvation. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9-11 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly has also highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name, that to the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The humbled Christ would be glorified. The suffering Savior would be exalted King. But then Jesus challenged them with the command. A command to love one another. Look at verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It didn't take a bumper sticker. It didn't take a cross hanging from their neck. It didn't take a tattoo. It took love so that the world would know that they... And we are followers of Christ. But you notice there in the beginning of verse 34, it says this is a new commandment. Now I'm sure your minds are automatically going back to Leviticus chapter 19 and said, well, as I was studying the, the Old Testament law, God spoke of loving one another. And you're right, Luke, or Leviticus 19 verses 17 and 18 says this, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin against him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, part of the law. And so these people, the, these disciples who knew the Jewish law well, the new commandment? What's Jesus speaking of? Well, the word that's translated new in the Greek was not the common word for new. Instead, it was a word that meant fresh. 
Jesus challenged His disciples to follow His example in love. A fresh way to look at, or a new way to look at what it meant to love one another and what it looked like to truly love one another. We're to love one another as God has loved us. So what does this love look like? There are many definitions of love. If you Google definitions of love, it'll, it'll take you a long time if you go through it. But there's a myriad of definitions. The Urban Dictionary shares 36 definitions, including definitions like this. Love is that tingly feeling you get and you don't know why. A great definition of love. Your your dictionary.com shares, it has a list of the 91 best definitions of love. We're not going to go through all 91. But what is Jesus asking us to do when He commands us to love one another? It's not simply a feeling that you can't explain. It's not simply saying the words, I love you, or writing them down, writing kind and loving words to one another. According to Ripley's Believe It or Not, the longest love letter was written in 1875 by a guy named Marcel de Leclure. He was a painter in Paris, so he sent a love letter to this lady. Her first name was Magdalene, and I'm not good at French, and so I'm not going to try to to say and pronounce her last name, and I don't know if it was uh, fiancé or girlfriend. I don't know the background, but the letter was the French words for I love you written 1,875,000 times. Now, he had a reason to come up with that number. But here's what he did. He hired a scribe, and Marcel dictated each phrase as the scribe wrote, I love you, 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 1,875,000 times. And at the end of the letter, he had the scribe read it back verbatim. (laughs) I feel bad for that scribe. I hope he was paid well, or she was paid well. I don't know, man or woman there, but I have a couple of questions. First of all, did Marcel lose points in hiring a scribe to write the letter rather than writing it himself? And secondly, did Magdalene read the whole thing or did she stop partway through? Now, I'm sure Magdalene was impressed with Marcel's diligence in writing this letter or having it written, but... That's not what love is about. And through His demonstration, Jesus shows us that love is much more than writing a lengthy letter or saying I love you or feeling goosebumps when that person walks by. Love is action. It's humbly serving. The Greek word that Jesus used, and you may not know a lot of Greek words, but This is one of the most familiar words is the word agape, unconditional love. It's not based on the actions of the one who is being loved. That person doesn't have to earn the love of that person giving it. It's not based upon feelings. It's choosing to act in the best interest of the one that we are loving. I'm not called to love only when I feel like it. Instead, we are to love 
one another continually. Jesus is the ultimate example of this love, the humbly serving one another. And we see this Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of his bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The events of John 13 show Jesus' amazing love. As they gathered in the upper room, none of the disciples offered to wash feet. That was a a common custom as people came and entered into a house. In Luke chapter 22, another, another portrayal of what took place in that upper room on the night of the Passover, we find that one of the activities that took place between the disciples and the Passover during that evening was an argument. An argument on who was the greatest. Now, they all determined that they themselves were the greatest, but you also wonder if if each disciple emphasized that they were the greatest in part to point out that they weren't the least. So they wouldn't have to be the one given the task of washing feet. You see, the task of foot washing was given to the lowest servant in the household None of the disciples volunteered. Instead, after a while, Jesus stooped down to the task, an action of unconditional love. He washed their feet, knowing that those feet would soon abandon him, even that evening as they ran when Jesus was arrested. It's interesting, he also washed Judas' feet. He hadn't left yet. And Jesus washed the feet of the one who was going to betray him. And Jesus knew exactly what Judas was in the process of doing. And then immediately after this command in verses 34 and 35 to to love one another, Jesus shared that, that they would abandon him. And Peter said, oh no, I'm not going to abandon you. I'll die for you rather than to abandon you, Jesus. Jesus had to tell Peter that before the morning that he, Peter, would deny Jesus three times. You see, Jesus' love wasn't based on the actions of the disciples. And it was given when he knew that they were going to abandon him. The next day, Jesus would be crucified. And as he was dying, he forgave the crowds who were cheering for his death. This is the ultimate example of love that we're to follow. It's the example of love we're to to demonstrate in our marriage when we don't believe our spouse is living up to the love that we're called to give them. It's not based upon their actions. It's based upon our relationship with God. We're to love one another. It's a love that's to be demonstrated to that neighbor that's annoying to that workmate that seems to be your enemy, to those family members who always seem to cross you. We're to follow Christ's example of love. But we can't follow that love and that example in our own power. 
Love comes through abiding in him. A little later in this same evening, John 15, Jesus repeats the command to love one another. Notice what he says in verses 12 and 13 of John 15. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Sounds familiar. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And Jesus was going to demonstrate that within hours. But if you look at John 15, John 15 begins with the illustration of the vine and the branches. Jesus is picturing how we're to stand and do what God calls us to do. And he gives this picture that he is the vine, we're the branches, we receive our strength through him. Our natural default mode is to look out for ourselves, but godly love prioritizes others. We love not because of the actions of the one being loved or because we feel like loving them, but because we choose to love them as we follow God. And then Jesus closes by saying that this love is a demonstration of our relationship with Him. In 1 John 4, we're reminded that our love is to reflect God's love. 1 John 4.12 says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. You see, our love makes God visible. How do people around us see that? How do people around us see God? Through the way that we live. Phrase one another used about 60 times in the New Testament. And one of the actions we're to demonstrate toward one another is to love one another. As individuals, as a church, we're to make God visible in our lives and to the world around us through our love. But in order to demonstrate that love, we must spend time together. Remember Acts chapter 2 from last week? Those people there in that church in Jerusalem turned their community upside down. And it says that all the people around them noticed what they were doing. What were they doing? They were loving one another. If you remember back in in verse 46 of Acts 2, it says that they spent time together in the temple and from house to house. The challenge for us is to love one another. And it's so easy to isolate ourselves. It's so easy to self-focus. But God says no. Step out. Spend time together. Encourage each other. Forgive one another. Serve one another. All those things as we love one another. And the challenge is for each one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do you love one another? It requires time and it requires effort. It requires sacrifice, giving of yourself. We challenge you and you hear over and over again the importance of encouraging one another, of spending time together, growing in Christ. The challenge to come and worship together on Sundays and the challenge to spend time together and encourage each other in a small group setting. Our connect groups, Sunday morning studies, it's exciting. If you look in the room next 
next door, there's probably 50 people in, in the fellowship room and a couple different groups encouraging one another. We're called to do that. But you have to be willing to make the sacrifice to say, I'm going to step out to spend the time, whether it's being part of a connect group, whether it's specific ways I'm going to reach out to my neighbor, whether it's joining some sort of a small group study where I can encourage others around me, whatever it is. In order to love one another, you need to be together. Again, I encourage you, our connect groups are beginning here in these next couple weeks. Sign up in the foyer to say, yeah, I'm not part of a connect group, but I want to be part of one. Or join a Sunday morning study or the young families or, or whatever group it is to be able to love one another because our love makes God visible. And as we pray this morning, I want you to consider a specific way this week that you're going to love one another. Ask for God's strength to follow through. What's one thing you're going to do this week to step out and to be the visible Christ as you love one another? Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, may we recognize that you as almighty God love us, love us more than we can imagine. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to love one another. Lord, that the world around us would see your love in the way that we live, in the way that we reach out to our community, in the way that we encourage one another in our lives, in our walk with you. Lord, may you be glorified in all that we do, in all that we say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.